Hey everybody, it is me, Kenzie Grant, host of Thinking is Cool, and you know the drill by now. This is the audio version of a video that first aired on my YouTube, so if you want to see it in all of its audio-visual glory, head on over to my channel. I will put the link in the show notes to subscribe. Thanks for listening. And we are recording. Hello, and welcome to the 10-Minute Debate Series. Today, I have brought in a one-time friend, potentially new enemy, Josh Kaplan, who is going to debate capitalism with me, Kinsey Grant. Josh, would you like to introduce yourself? I'm Josh Kaplan, nemesis of the show. Josh, do you identify as a capitalist? Yes. Card-carrying member. <laughs> okay. So today, Josh and I are going to debate uh, this statement that Josh made in the margins of the episode that I just released about capitalism, that I was certainly interested in when I saw it. Uh, The sentence is as follows. The ideal outcome of a more modern capitalism is that the right people are enabled to amass wealth because they are smarter or more innovative and can help shape the future in positive ways. So that is what we are debating today. The idea of the benevolent capitalist, which if you have ever watched my channel, you probably know what side I'm going to take, but we have a new face here joining us, joining the fray. So with that, Josh and I are going to take 10 minutes on the clock to debate this sentence and see if our friendship survives. How long have we been friends? Many years, and I've commented many things in many margins, and I didn't know I was gonna be put on blast for one of my many random takes, well, but Josh, let's, let's the do internet this. Never I, I can defend my rogue commenting. So just one more time for <clears> good measure, The ideal outcome of a more modern capitalism is that the right people are enabled to amass wealth because they are smarter or more innovative and can help shape the future in positive ways. Seeing as Josh is the prosecution, does the prosecution go first? I can't remember. Do you want to go first or do you want to go second? You go first. I I commented, you come come at me. So, (laughs) do you want me to put 10 minutes uh, on the clock? 10 minutes on the clock, starting three, two, one, go. Josh, I fear you have forgotten the silver spoon that you were born with in your mouth. The idea that everybody could accomplish some level of innovation, of smarts, of intelligence, is simply backwards. The modern world in which we live does not make it such that everybody can access everything that they want all the time. You have a college degree? Correct. You have a family that could back you up if something failed? Correct. You have a risk appetite? Correct. You made money when a company got sold? Correct. Okay, and you're a white man? Correct. So all of these things are in your favor. You have the experience of somebody who the system was built for. What about the people for whom the system was not built? Are they less worthy citizens? Well, interesting way to start 10 minutes by coming at me as an individual at my core rather than the value system and an objective way all that All politics we're... is personal. I, okay. <laughs> it's a separate 10 minute debate. I think that my comment has to be coupled with many other comments, which is the fun part about doing this. And the value system that I want to try and propagate and and push forward and be a part of is one of which that there is equal opportunity, which is not existent today. And I am very much in the privileged side of that bucket that has experienced a lot of that. And I, I recognize that. But when looking at different systems to compare to that, might be more favorable in the long run or ones that should be changing, I am on the side of you should be pushed to work hard, you should be allowed to value, to uh, benefit from your work, 
you should be able to amass wealth and power, you should be able to push the future forward. And those are things that I want to look for in a system that I align with. And so when you look at other different styles of, of government, of economy, that this is the one that I think allows for the best possible future. The conditions that we have today are far, far from perfect, but I think that's the fun part about working hard and being a part of society is to say, look, this is, is better than the other things, but it is not the best. And we have a lot of things that we can do. And I'd rather be a part of the change that we can impact than to say, you know what, this is just how it is. Because whatever we have now is far from perfect and not what I'm saying is existent or what I want. I think we can agree on the fact that what we have now is far from perfect. Let's find some common ground there. But something you brought up that I want to dig into is the idea of equality of opportunity. Right now, equality of opportunity simply does not exist. The capitalist system is imperfect. We can both recognize that. But the idea that everybody can pull themselves up by their bootstraps and become the next Jeff Bezos, son of an immigrant who is now worth 100 and almost $90 billion is simply not true. That's the outlier case. That's the exception, not the rule. So what do you say we should do to ensure that everybody does have equality of opportunity? Because I certainly have ideas about what that would look like. That's universal health care. That's universal pre-K. That's free college tuition. That's how we level the playing field, because right now it's not level. But those ideals seem to go directly against what today's version of a card carrying capitalist would believe in. And I agree, and I think that's where I am still trying to figure out what some of those concepts mean, where I do believe that anybody born in America should have health care, education, shelter and safe community, Wi-Fi, a lot, you know, I, I do think that broadband should be on that list of things. And then I take it down to the basics and go, how can we create a system that guarantees that everybody has access to those things? And some of them might mean nationalized industries, which is seriously in the, the socialism category. But you might also look at it and say, no, we actually think that we can create different laws, different competitive environments that allow for everybody to have access to these things at the right price point or at the just at, at the guarantee level of it. So I think jumping straight to universal health care, meaning it has to be a nationalized healthcare system is, is to me too quick of a jump where I'd say, actually, are there other competitive environments we can create? that guarantee that these services are going to be provided to everybody. You bring up the idea of a mixed economy, which is something I find endlessly interesting because if capitalism is so great, how come all the capitalists are afraid of a mixed economy? That's my question because capitalism is a system totally centered on competition, may the strongest competitor win. If capitalism is so great, why doesn't it just go up against a couple of nationalized and uh, wait, I'm not done yet. I have something to ask. Here's the question with all of that, because I think we found something we can agree on, that opportunity should be more equal. People should be able to access the tools that they need to become the next benevolent capitalist. But a lot of the ideas that you're bringing up are national efforts. These are efforts that need to be done in a systemic, structural way. The concept of having this benevolent capitalist to this very kind, I don't know, future-oriented, very rich person come in and fix the system is something that I think is just unrealistic when you consider what needs to be done to level the playing field. I mean, walk down 16th Street right now and go tell the homeless couple that lives on the corner with a dog that Jeff Bezos is gonna save them. They're not gonna be interested in that. But but you're, you're quickly putting a lot of pieces together that I don't know if 
they should be got immediately. Minutes, man. No, I understand, but but homelessness has a lot of different co- of, of different reasons for why it exists and why, especially on 16th Street in a city full of riches, that can exist. And I don't think that I would jump immediately to put that together with the the who is making the decisions. And that is a mixed economy. It's also a mixed power balance where you have policymakers, you have business people, you have the nonprofit organizations, you have you have a number of different things that create the total pie of power and and i think power is a really interesting concept to talk about and who has it who gets it who should have it who shouldn't and i i certainly believe that there should be a strong government and probably if we had had this 10 minute session six years ago 10 years ago it would have said you know what i i don't think the government is that productive i think that business can make the environment better with, with less regulation whatever and, and after the however many years, a health crisis, a political crisis, multiple global catastrophes, there should be a lot more invested into the government to be a stronger counterweight against business. And I believe in that deeply, but I don't think that it conflicts with the idea that you can have a free-ish market that allows people to amass power and capital and then therefore influence. Are you satisfied with the way that people have amassed power and capital over the last, let's call it 40 years? No, but do I think that America has created incredible companies that have lifted the tide for everybody? Yes. Do you think that that would be impossible in any other economic system other than capitalism? Capitalism in the, in the broad spectrum of it, I think, is the solution to it, which has allowed people to be motivated to create new inventions and to create higher quality of life for, for everybody or, or just the possibility of that. I think that if you compare it to like a socialism or a communism or a fascism, you do create less incentive for people to work hard and create a better future. There's this interesting concept of what innovation means in a capitalist system that I've been reading a lot about lately. And we have assigned such moral value to being an innovative participant in capitalism. But I think innovation is not necessarily the word that we're thinking of. I think we're looking for this this idea of being a dynamic participant in capitalism, that some people assume these positions of power and some people assume these positions of the working class. There's the owner class and the working class, and that's just the way capitalism works. And we we look to those in the owner class to be the leaders, to be the stewards of money, of power, of wealth, of influence, but they are not necessarily the most representative people in the the entire pie. If we're talking about the power pie that you brought up, those people are such a small subset. How can we trust that they are going to be the ones who are the best stewards of what happens to everybody? Because their decisions, given that they have more wealth, they have more influence, their decisions carry more weight. How do we know that those people are going to be responsible deciding what the future looks like? And I think there's multiple weapons in the arsenal against that to make sure one jeffrey bezos doesn't have too much power over how many people work at amazon now like a hundred thousand or some something crazy like that like meant probably more than that i'm with that said it is one is the the literal measures that take place in how much a ceo can make or or how much of the company they can control and i flip over to another billionaire that you know i don't like that much with zuckerberg and how he issued specific type of stock to make sure he has way too much voting power effectively in perpetuity, and he was rewarded greatly for selling digital cocaine. And and that to me is a is not just a problem with laws or, or politics or, or business practices, but it is about our value system and what we as a culture allow to be 
to happen. And and it goes down to, to parenting. It goes down to public perception and journalism and calling things out and popularizing the truth and understanding like, hey, what are they selling? Is it actually good for everybody, not just stockholder value? And I think that there's a much bigger argument to be made about how equities are actually valued. And you can flip over to, to the current immediate moment where we're looking at Zoom and Peloton and all these uh, COVID stocks get crumbled and have to lay people off. And it, it to me, goes to, to the finance industry. And you go, how, how do you let these things get out of control in such a way? Damn, that's the 10 minutes. Um, but all right. Okay. Fuck. Let's do right. one more. We each get to say one more thing, and that's it. Okay. Okay. Um, I think that you bring up a, a fantastically interesting point that I would honestly love to spend another 10 minutes talking about. We often say when we consider who the the benevolent capitalist might be, who this good steward might be, we bring up names like Mark Zuckerberg and Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk and Richard Branson, these people who have all amassed just unbelievable amounts of wealth. Did you know that it would take the average Amazon worker 1.2 million years working 365 days a year, 24 days, 24 hours a day, seven days a week to make just as much as Jeff Bezos is worth right now, by the way. But we bring up these people who have this fantastic wealth. What we're not considering are the average garden variety multimillionaires who also carry a bunch of influence and power, but are perhaps flying under the radar when we talk about the government reigning in fantastic amounts of wealth. They're flying under the radar in a way that is only holding us back because when we don't consider those people as the fantastically wealthy, despite the fact that they very, very, very much are, we are failing to recognize all that could be unlocked if they were fairly taxed on their wealth in a way that was beneficial to everybody so that we could get to that point of a mixed economy in which people have more opportunity, there is more equality of opportunity, and more and more people are lifted up from a position of being a lowly member of society into that owner class. And <laughs> and and all, all of that sounds great, but people that work hard and create new business and create jobs and manage companies, a lot of them flying under the radar also have happy employees and happy partners in their business that they reward in, in good ways and they don't need to get press. And there, there's a very large world out there and, and we tend to surface all sorts of stories. So I think it's hard to point a finger at, at one class of people and, and totally characterize it. When we talk about the tax system, we, we know how that happens. It's lobbying. It, it is the malicious actors that have created a regressive tax system instead of a progressive tax system. And while rich people like keeping their money, I think that it's pretty fucking obvious we should have a progressive tax system that's actually implemented and there. And that, that to me doesn't sound that... I don't think that's that radical of, of a person who's now taking the side of, of capitalism or is, is genuinely doing so to say, you know what? If I'm making more and more money, you should probably have to give back in, in that progressive way. That to me doesn't seem crazy or counterintuitive to, to what I'm saying, but I understand how over however many years of, of hardcore lobbying and, and bad value system and poor accountability, you get into these pitfalls that have led to more wage gaps, more inequality based on different factors. But to summarize my point that stemmed from a, a rogue comment in the margins, I think it's what do we want to incentivize, what are the values, and how do we actually make the future better? And I think that when I look at the best system that can still be improved, 
this is one that I, I'm betting on, that I believe in, that I want to be a part of, rather than other systems. And you, you then look at the, the global stage, and it's not just competition within America, but you look to, to Russia, to China, to moments in history where there were very much different attempts at even further authoritarian control. And, and this, this free market, this idea of, of chaos and uncontrolled market activity is, is exciting to me, is, is how we're going to go into space and make things better here and how we're going to have cleaner environments that's more uh, electric and nuclear than gas and coal. And, and those types of things are going to happen through breakthroughs, which people are going to get rewarded for. Uh, and, and I think that's, that's where I stand and it's a fun conversation to have. Well, Josh, you know, I was ready to try to demolish everything that you believe in, but I do think that we found some common ground again that we can agree on. Certain aspects of capitalism need to be reined in. Certain aspects of capitalism are worth keeping. And this is how we build a more perfect future. So Josh, thank you. We're still nemesis, nemesi, friends? I think we're friends, are, yeah. Okay. Cool. Wow. All right, well. Join okay. us next time, and uh, maybe I'll dig in more. Well, I, I think you got you got to get a socialist on. You got to get some people with like radically different views and have have this format. It was very yeah. fun. All right, sweet. Thanks for watching.